Welcome to uh, episode 10 of the Burning Bush podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Hope everybody's having a good week, and uh, thanks for stopping by to check out the podcast this week. And this week I am smoking a very special cigar. Uh, This thing, the first time I I lit one of these up, it blew me away. And I think it uh, might just be the finest cigar I've ever smoked. I mean, with the $15 price point, it's certainly, certainly well, well worth it. Um, I would pay $15 a piece for these things all day long. And uh, just one of my favorites. It is the Pappy Van Winkle Barrel Fermented Toro 6x52, and it's just amazing. I'll read the uh, description off the Drew Estate Pappy Van Winkle website, which uh, I'll have linked up in the show notes as usual. It says, for the cigar aficionado, a description from the maker, Jonathan Drew, founder of Drew Estate. The Pappy Van Winkle Barrel Fermented Cigar is a 100% long filler premium cigar made totally by hand in very small batches at Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. This historic cigar features a barrel fermented Tapa Negra style wrapper over a Mexican San Andres base wrapper, as well as aged Nicaraguan filler tobaccos, personally selected by me, that's Jonathan Drew, the uh, owner of Drew Estate. It's the perfect choice for pairing with any of the Van Winkle bourbon and rye products. The strength level of the Pappy Van Winkle barrel fermented cigar is medium plus, which allows both new smokers and experienced aficionados to enjoy the blend. It's a well-rounded, sophisticated cigar with body and hearty expression. At Drew Estate, we are known for passion and innovation, and making premium cigars is our raison d'etre reason to be. I don't claim to speak French. The Pappy Van Winkle Barrel Fermented Premium Cigar is truly a showcase of our passion for cigar making. And I am thoroughly enjoying this one, as I do every one that I smoke. So I would encourage everybody to to grab a box of these because you won't regret it. So let's get into this week's section of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? And this section is the last section in chapter 2, and it's entitled, God's Persistent Love. Guess what happened right after the Tower of Babel catastrophe? God appeared to Abraham, originally called Abram, an old man married to a woman, Sarah, who was beyond the age where she could have children. God made a covenant with Abraham. He promised the old man and his wife that they would have a son. God would do a miracle. Their son would be the beginning of a new family for God on earth. Genesis 12, 1-9, 15, 1-6, Having allotted humanity to the oversight of members of his heavenly host, God wanted to begin anew with a family of his own, with Abraham. Abraham believed God's promises. Genesis 15:6. He didn't have to earn God's interest or favor. It was God who had chosen Abraham to start over. The relationship between God and Abraham started with God. Abraham believed. Afterward, 
The covenant relationship that began with God's call and Abraham's faith was commemorated with the physical sign of circumcision, Genesis 17, 1-14, and Romans 4, 1-12. Abraham's entire family followed his example, Genesis 17, 23. Bearing this sign marked the descendants of Abraham as the people whom God wanted as his family. Circumcision would be assigned to the women of Abraham's lineage too. Since they were to marry only within the extended tribe, they would be reminded of how their people had been supernaturally created from Abraham and Sarah when they decided to have their own children. It's important to realize that God's covenant with Abraham was based on belief in God's promises. Faith. God didn't approach Abraham because he'd found a man who was a good rule keeper. Salvation is not based on behavior. We cannot earn our salvation. If that was the case, then God would be in our debt by virtue of our performance. He'd owe us something in response to our achievement. Think of how absurd that sounds. Rather, Abraham and his descendants showed their belief in God's promises by observing the sign of the covenant. It was an outward way to show where their loyalty was. The Apostle Paul used Abraham as an example of believing loyalty. Romans 4, 1-12 Abraham believed and was accepted by God before he obeyed any rules. The rules were about showing he believed. They did not replace belief. Belief, faith, was the one essential thing. Loyalty to that belief, to that God, is something we'll talk about later. Today we call it discipleship. Belief and loyalty are two distinct things. They are related but not interchangeable. The same is true of salvation and discipleship. Promising Abraham a son, and through him the start of a new family that would grow into a great nation, was God's second covenant after the disaster of Eden. The first had been with Noah. Both were designed to preserve his dream of having a human family. But these covenants weren't just about God not giving up. They were also about extending the offer of everlasting life to people. God had not given up on humanity. He couldn't stop loving people. God still wanted a human family. God kept his promise to Abraham. He and Sarah did indeed have a son, Isaac. Genesis 17, 19-21 and 21, 1-7. Abraham's extended family would become known as Israel, the name most frequently used in the Old Testament for God's human family. Genesis 32:28, Deuteronomy 32:9, and Isaiah 44:1. But what about the people from the other nations, the ones God had assigned to the sons of God after the Tower of Babel rebellion? They are called Gentiles in the Bible, a short term that means not from Israel. And despite what happened at Babel, God did not forget about those people. Not only would God start over yet again with a new people, Israel, but he told Abraham that his descendants would someday be a blessing to the other nations God had forsaken. Genesis 12:3. Many years later, Jesus, who was from the family of Abraham, would be the particular descendant who would bring all the nations of the world back to God. Galatians 3:16 through 18 and 26 through 29. 
Before Jesus arrived on the scene, Gentiles could join God's family by choosing to reject all other gods, believing in him, and taking the sign of God's covenant. A lot of time passed between the time of Abraham and Jesus. Israel's own history as the Lord's portion, Deuteronomy 32.9, wasn't a pretty one. They were God's people, but sadly, perhaps predictably, their loyalty failed. The darkest hour was yet to come. That will do it for this week's reading from Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Check the show notes for the links to his author's webpage and take a look at all of his books. Hope you'll pick up some of his books and read them. They're very informative, very educational. And if you want to get deeper into scripture, uh, I would highly recommend them. So next week we'll get into chapter 3. Until then, have a great day. Have a great cigar. And God bless.